0: We're Anthem Church. Thanks for checking out our podcast. For all the info you need, visit anthemforall.org and follow at Anthem Church Chicago. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. My name's Aiden, Aidan, and I'm really excited to be sharing God's Word with you. So we're starting a new series today. It's called God With Us, A Message of Hope. It's a three-part series where we look at the message of Christmas and the hope that Jesus brings. I don't know about you, but I would imagine that all of us could do with a little more hope this Christmas. I mean, 2020 has been quite a year. We've had challenges. We've experienced losses. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe you've lost a loved one. We've all lost a sense of what normal life is. We've been introduced to this thing called the new normal, whatever that may be. One of the things I hear people saying most right now is I can't wait for 2020 to be over. I would imagine that like you, we started this year with hopes and dreams and aspirations, that we started with plans, and as 2020 hit, we were like, this is going to be the year, and then it turned out that perhaps it hasn't been the year, and that the majority of those hopes and dreams haven't been fulfilled or even realized or actualized this year. The scripture that I think of when I think of 2020 is Proverbs 13:12, which is hope deferred makes the heart sick, and maybe that's you right now, that you think about this year and you think about life, and actually your heart's a little sick at the moment because of the hope that's been deferred. It's been a crazy year. It's been what we could call a mess of a year. And this Christmas, we, we 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 preaching into hope because that's what we need. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I'm reminded of when I was in kindergarten, and uh, it was Christmas time, and the teachers decided that actually it was a good idea for us to have a Christmas party, and we would all get to bring one gift to the Christmas party and unwrap it together. And we were excited. I mean, hope was being built. We were anticipating this. We saw the present pile getting bigger and bigger. And then the day finally arrived. All that week, we'd been talking. And it, it so happened that at the same time that we were having this Christmas party, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles had just brought out the, the new toy. And this was the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is, wasn't, this is old school Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And all I wanted was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toy, my friend as well. And we spoke about it. And then I saw my gift on the pile, and, and it was slightly bigger than the others. And I thought, this is the year. Maybe I'm not only going to get one toy, but I'm going to get two Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys. And the, ca- the party came, and we began to open our gifts. And I opened mine, and I was so filled with hope. I was so excited. I was, I was so disappointed as I unwrapped my present because I didn't get one Teenage Mutant Ninja toy. I didn't get two Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys. I didn't get any. I got a puzzle. I got a puzzle. I wanted a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toy, and I, I got a puzzle. And those have nothing in common. And immediately, as this little six-year-old, my hope was broken. My heart was sickened, and I, I felt—I've just felt empty inside. And for a six-year-old, with the, when, when, when the toy is everything to you, hope deferred makes the heart sick. In actual fact, I've disliked puzzles ever since then. But perhaps 2020 has been like that for you. So much hope deferred that you just, I, I want to see the end of 2020. It reminds me of another story where a few years back, we wanted to get our daughter, Starla, an animal. She'd been saying, I want a puppy, but the house we were staying in, we weren't allowed to have a dog. So, Eloise and I got together and we thought, well, let's get something else. Let's get her a guinea pig. We're allowed to have a guinea pig. So, while she was at school, and that was when they still actually went to school, we went out and we went to the pet store. We got this guinea pig and we got it in its cage and we, we put it in her room and then she got home from school and she was really excited to have this guinea pig. She called it Rosie, and, and Rosie almost became a part of the family. But what happened with Rosie was she played with her for, for a few weeks, and then she started playing with her less and less, and, and I realized that I, I needed to look after this Rosie, so I was playing with Rosie more and more, and it, after a few weeks, it was actually just me playing with Rosie, taking Rosie for walks, saying, hey, Rosie, fetch. And I had to sit Starla down and, 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 and say to her, babes, what's going on? I see we got you this guinea pig, but you're not playing with this guinea pig. You're not looking after it. And she looked up at me with innocence and honesty in her eyes. And she said, but dad, I didn't want a guinea pig. I wanted a puppy. And immediately right then and there, I realized hope deferred makes the heart sick. 30 years later, what I experienced, teenage mutant ninja turtle toy, puzzle, puppy, guinea pig. It was repeating itself. And maybe 2020 has been like that for you, where you've received a whole lot of what you didn't actually once, and you're trying to navigate it. We need to realize and understand that the message of Christmas is a message of hope. This Christmas, there is hope for us. And in the mess of this year and in the mess of what we might consider our lives to be, we need to realize that God always has a message. And that's the title of today's message. In the mess, there's a message. And what is that message? Well, the message of Christmas is this, is that God is with us. No matter what you've experienced this year, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, no matter perhaps what has been done to you or, you or what you've been on the receiving end of, the good news and the hope this Christmas and the message of Christmas, the message in the mess is that God is with us. Matthew 1 verse 23 says, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. They will call him God with us. You know, there's this idea of God, that God is this cosmic force out there in the galaxy somewhere, not really interested in us, that this world is such a mess that he's like bailed out, he's tapped out, and he's ruling the galaxy, and he's like, you guys can have the world, I'm not interested. And God's, God is far removed from our lives, and not interested in, in what we do and how we live. But in actual fact, the Christmas message is one that goes against this. that it starts off with Emmanuel, God with us, not far away, but with us, ever present, And he's not absent, he's not distracted, he's not here, but in another world, he's with us. And this is the message of Christmas God with us. There is a message in the mess. Now, when we look at the exact moment in time that Jesus came into this world as that baby wrapped in cloths in a manger, we look at the time, and and it's completely different to what we're experiencing now in many regards. Yes. But we look at the time that Jesus came, and we also realize that God's people were in a challenging time themselves. They were in a very challenging time, and and they had a lot going on. And and, and I think we can draw a lot from their experience to see our experience, that the mess that they were in is, is in some parts very similar to the mess that we might find ourselves in. You see, for God's people at that time, it was a time where they were a shadow of their former glory. And what I mean by that is there was a time when Israel, God's people, were a superpower in the world. But what they found themselves now was they weren't the head, they were the tail. They were actually under Roman oppression. And they were a shadow of their former glory. It was a time where not only were they under oppressive Roman rule, but they were longing for their Messiah to come. The Messiah, their Savior, who would come and deliver them from the oppressive Roman rule. And who would establish his kingdom and they would begin at the top again. And they'd been waiting for their Messiah, and their Messiah wasn't coming. He wasn't arriving, and they were losing hearts. At the same time, not only were they longing for the Messiah to come, and the Messiah wasn't coming, but it was a period where heaven was silent. God, who had always spoken to His people through the prophets for 400 years, had not said a thing to them. It was silence from heaven. Hope deferred was making their hearts sick. And in actual fact, not only was it... Uh, a crisis of their relationship with God. It was a crisis of their faith as well, because it was a time where they walked the walk and they talked the talk, but their hearts were far from God. As Isaiah says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. There was political tension. There was religious tension. The lives they were living didn't match up with the promises of God. And it's into the socioeconomic political mess and tension and difficulty that God intervenes and starts his salvation plan his master plan to bring hope and salvation, his plan to bring a message in the mess, a baby born in a manger, Jesus, the light and hope of the world. This is good news, friends. This is the gospel that we hear today, the message and hope for us right now that in the mess, whatever I may be facing, God wants me to know that he is with me and he is with you through faith in Christ. And you know, the more I think about it, show me a faith Religion, spirituality or walk, where, where deity steps into humanity and pays the price for humanity's wrongdoing, just so that the deity can have relationship once again with humanity. You, you don't see it anywhere else except in Jesus. And you see this with Jesus, and the start of this mission is him stepping into the very creation, the very mess that Adam and Eve started that we seem to have perfected. He steps into it, born as a baby. This is the gospel message. This is the Christmas story. There is a message in the mess. God is with us. You see, friends, when it comes to the mess of this world and the mess, we may find ourselves and we need to understand whether it's things we've done, things we haven't done, things that have been done to us, or just what we've experienced. And we look at our lives and think, yes, it's a mess. We need to understand that God's not afraid of my mess. And that's the first encouragement for this morning's message. God's not afraid of... Of my mess, no matter what I've done, no what I've what, no matter what I've gone through, no matter what I'm facing, no matter what I may have experienced, God's not afraid of my mess. I'm gonna look briefly at Adam and Eve, and look at what they had going for them in the Garden of Eden, and how when they sinned, they introduced a pattern into this world that we seem to follow over and over, and it's a pattern that I believe God wants to break today, especially if we're following this pattern. It's a pattern of how they dealt with their mess. In the beginning, the book of Genesis records that that God created the heavens and the earth, and He creates Adam and Eve, and He places them in this garden. And He has this beautiful relationship with them. He walks with them. He talks with them. He works with them. They have intimate communion. What happens over time is Adam and Eve disobey God. They rebel against Him. And let's look at this interaction that God has with them and see how the pattern they started is a pattern that we fulfill over and over we're going to read in Genesis chapter 3 verse 6 to 10. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. The first thing Adam and Eve did once they disobeyed and sinned against God was they tried to cover themselves. They tried to cover their mistake and cover their nakedness. And friends, that's exactly what we do. When there's a mess in our lives or when there's something we do or something happens, we want to cover it up. We want to hide it. We don't want anyone to know about it. You know the stuff we don't put on social media? That's the stuff we're trying to cover. And we can try to cover up from God and cover up from people. It's following a broken system, a dead-end road that Adam and Eve started for us. Let's read on. Then the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He answered, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. The second thing that Adam and Eve did and the pattern that they started and we seem to follow is they ran and they hid. And friends, we run and we hide. There's a mess we try to cover up. Or even we run, run away from our mess. We try to hide from our mess. Or it's maybe our relationship with God. Something happens and we want to cover it. We want to run. We want to hide. Cover, run, hide. Cover, run, hide. Cover, run, hide. An endless pattern we keep repeating. And it's almost like it's built into us. We see it with children. Something goes wrong. The first thing that they say is, it wasn't me. Nothing to see here. It's built into us. Cover, run, hide. And God comes looking for his creation. He he always comes looking for his children and he says, Hey, where are you? And today I believe God's looking at us and he's saying, Hey, where are you at right now this Christmas? Where are you at with your hope? Where are you at with the state of your heart? Is your heart sick? Allow me to bring hope. Have you had a rough year? Allow me to bring courage and hope. Allow me to come and heal you. He's looking for us and saying, Where are you at today? And we have the choice. We can either try keep covering. We can try to keep running and hiding. See, God wants us to run to him so that we can hide in him. God wants to cover us. And he wants us to be open before him. When it comes to our lives, is there anything I'm trying to cover up? Anything I, I don't want God to see? Maybe I'm afraid, like Adam was, of what God would say or how God would respond. If God knew this about me, maybe he wouldn't love me. Maybe he wouldn't bless me. Maybe he would think differently. Maybe he wouldn't use me. I've got a friend who used to always say this. He says, God won't heal what we don't reveal. Or even God can't heal what we don't reveal. And whenever he used to say that, I used to think, no, I disagree with that statement. I kind of get what he was trying to say, but God's all-powerful. God can do all things. God, God isn't, isn't stopped by, by me. He's all-powerful. He's sovereign. He can do all things. And that is true. But the more I thought about what my friend was saying, the more I came to realize the truth in it. It's not about ability, but it's about access. What do I mean? If I don't come to God and bring my heart to Him and bring my life to Him, how can I trust and, and, and expect that the mess in my life from things that I've done or things that I've experienced or that have been done to me can be solved and healed and restored? You see, when I'm sick, I go to the doctor and the doctor prescribes medicine and he helps me get back on track with my health because I've given him access. But if I'm sick and I don't go to the doctor and I refuse access to the doctor into my life, how can I expect to get better? See, God can't heal what we don't reveal. See, we can let him into our lives. We can let him in because he's not afraid of our mess. He wants to help with our mess. I love the the what happens next with the interaction with Adam and Eve and God is what they, they tried covering themselves with fig leaves, but what God does is he removes their fail attempts, their feeble attempts to cover themselves with fig leaves, and he clothes them with real clothes. He covers their nakedness. See, God is coming and looking for us. And maybe you don't even know God yet and you haven't put your faith in Christ, but today He's looking at you and He's saying, Where are you at in your walk with me? Where are you at in this journey? I want to cover your nakedness. I want to take away your shame. This is the Christmas message. This is the start of Jesus stepping into the earth to deal with the mess once and for all. But we've got to come to God and we can't hide from him. We can't run from him. We've got to run to him. The first encouragement is that God's not afraid of our mess. It's not like he's tapping out, oh, look how bad you've been. Look how messed up this is. I'm out of here. Just come back to me when you've sorted yourself out. That's not the God that's revealed in Scripture. The second encouragement is this, there's no mess that God can't save us from. There is no mess that God can't save us from. Perhaps you've walked away from God this year. Perhaps it's been such a difficult year that you've given up hope. Perhaps you cast off restraint sometime this year and you got involved in some things you shouldn't have. Perhaps you were just trying to follow God as best you could and life just threw you a curveball and it's been so difficult and challenging. Whatever it may be, there is no mess right now that God can't save you from. Is there a mess in your life? Is there something you're battling with? God wants to reach down and he wants to heal you. He wants to restore you and he wants to help you through this mess. Let's read in Mark chapter 1 verse 40 to 45 to see how God deals with the mess in our lives. It says, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus was indignant. He reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. Leprosy was a terrible sickness that affected every area of one's life. Not only was it a disease that that this, this man suffered from, but because of this disease, everything he touched became unclean. Why? Because he was contagious. That means he was removed from society. He was rejected. There was nothing he could touch and no one he could touch without making them unclean. Imagine living a life where everything you touch turns to disaster. Everything you touch is unclean and rejected by people. Imagine going somewhere and you just then everyone is afraid of you because of what you carry on your life. And the very shame that this man had, the very rejection he had, Jesus touches him right there. And you know, it's so beautiful that Jesus touches this man. It shows that Jesus wasn't afraid of his mess and, and he knew that there was no mess that God couldn't get this man out of. If he was afraid of the mess, he wouldn't have touched him. But Jesus reaches down, looks at him and, and he touches him knowing that as he touched him, his disease would have made Jesus unclean. But Jesus knew that nothing could make him unclean because of the power of God. And he says, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. The very thing that brought him shame, the very thing that brought him rejection, God touched. In our lives, if there is rejection, if there is hurt, if there is pain, God wants to touch those areas in our lives. The mess of those things, he wants to remove and he wants to heal. You know, we may not all have... uh, uh, a leprosy in the physical, but every single one of us is born with a sinful nature and a leprosy of the soul called sin. And this morning or today, Jesus wants to touch us and he wants to cleanse us and set us free from the mess of sin and darkness. You know, I look at this account and I love how Jesus was indignant. The word indignant means to be angry or annoyed at something you perceive to be unfair. So Jesus is angry and annoyed in this situation because he perceives that something is unfair. What, did, what was Jesus indignant about? Well, he wasn't angry or annoyed at this man. Jesus was angry and annoyed that this man had been treated unfairly, that he had this disease. It wasn't fair that this man had the disease. It wasn't fair that he'd been rejected by society. It wasn't fair that he was filled with shame. It wasn't fair that he was in a mess. See, Jesus wasn't angry or annoyed because this man was in a mess. He was angry and annoyed because there is a mess. And that's the reason he came. He came to die for our sin. He came to die for our sickness. He came to remove the mess from our lives and to be with us in the mess. Jesus, infant wrapped and lying in a manger, God's perfect redemption plan to deal with and defeat once and for all sin and the power of darkness. I love how this message of Christmas that God doesn't wait for us to have it all together before he comes and rescues us. He doesn't wait for us to even try to have it all together before he steps into the mess of the world. The mess that we created, the mess that we continue before he, he steps in to rescue us. In actual fact, the Bible says that while we were still sinners, Christ chose to die for us. While we were his enemies, he chose to die for us. Before we could even try to put a foot right, God knew that we were unable to. So he said, my mission is to save you, but I'm going to send my son to do that. This is the gospel. I've heard so many people say, I just need to kick this habit, and then I just need to sort this mess out in my life, and then I'll start coming to church and put my faith in Jesus. I just need to kick this, and then then I'll begin to serve God. Friends, God knew that salvation, there was no prerequisite for us to get things right for salvation. He knew that we couldn't do it. That's why he sent Jesus. Once we put our faith in Christ, nothing can separate us from his love. No mess, no sickness, no sin, no experience. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ once we put our faith in him. The fact that you are listening to this message right now is proof that God is reaching out to you to invite you into deeper communion, to deeper intimacy. And the fact that you're listening to this message right now is hope that God has a plan for your life because he's saying, I want to give you hope. I want to give you a future. It reminds me of a friend. I had a family friend when I was growing up. He was a powerful man of God, a powerful minister. And he did so much for the kingdom. And he was so instrumental in my family's walk with God. And then one day he believed the lie from the enemy that he'd committed the sin that that God couldn't forgive him of. He believed for a moment that there was a mess in his life that that God was unable, unable to save him from. And I watched as this powerful man of God just walked away in shame and in condemnation because he believed somehow that he'd done something that God couldn't forgive. Fortunately, years later, I remember seeing him come back to church. I saw God remove the lie from him, and and I saw him realize that he'd been believing a lie. I saw the condemnation lift, and I saw the glint come back into his eyes. Shame was gone as he began to serve God again, as he began to realize that, one, God isn't afraid of his mess, and secondly, that there is no mess that God can't get us out of. Fortunately, that story had a beautiful ending But perhaps you're listening to this and you're thinking, there's no hope for me because of what I've done, or there's no hope for me because of what I'm in right now. Actually, there's no mess that God can't get us out of. Isaiah 59 verse 1 says, surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save. 2 Corinthians 3, 17 says, the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And if the message of Christmas is that God is with us through faith in Christ, then where God is, there is liberty, there is freedom right here, right now. But will I open up to him? Will I come to him or will I try to cover it up and will I try and hide? Will I believe the lie that what I'm in right now is bigger than God and bigger than the cross? Or will I position the mess in its rightful place at the foot of the cross, underneath Jesus' feet? In ending, I want to encourage us with two quick things. While preparing this message, two phrases kept going through my head, and I felt I had to share them. And the first phrase is this, I don't need to see it to believe it, and the second one is I don't need to feel it to receive it. I don't need to see it to believe it, and I don't need to feel it to receive it. In a year like 2020 where there's been a lot going on, very often we don't immediately see what God is doing. We don't immediately perceive what what God is up to in our lives and how God is working in our lives. And we can conclude because things are difficult that God isn't working in our lives because we don't see it in the natural. Or maybe we can't feel God's presence because we're so caught up in what's going on around us. And we begin to think, well, God's not with me. Friends, faith is this. Hebrews 11 says, now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Even when we cannot see what God is doing, we still believe that he is with us. Why? Because his word has told us. Because we do not need to see it to believe it. And we do not need to feel it to receive it. This is where faith kicks in. When I can't see what's going on, when I can't feel my way around, when I can't trust my senses, that's when faith needs to kick in. And I believe God wanted to encourage us that as we look at this hope series, as we look at God with us, we needed to trust his word put our faith in him. He says he loves us, so we're going to believe it. Even though we can't feel it right now, perhaps because of what we've gone through, we're going to trust that we will see it because we don't need to see it to believe it and we don't need to feel it to receive it because our faith is not based on our senses. Our faith is based on the word of God. Now, while I've been talking, you may be realizing that there is a mess in your life. It may be a big mess. It may be a small mess, but nonetheless, it's a mess either of sin or either of sickness. Or maybe it's something that's been done against you or an experience you've had. And you're like, God, help me out of this mess. We've got a team of people who would love to pray with you. And right now, you can, if you're watching the service live, you can click on the button. And we've got a prayer team who would love to pray with you. Or perhaps you've been listening to this message and you realize that, one, you've never put your faith in Christ. Or you're actually far from God and you want to return back to Him today. You want to run to Him and say, God, here I am, open before you. Search me, O God. And you want to put your faith in Him. There is a button that you can click as well that says, I would like to give my life to the Lord. Please, I would urge you to click on that now and not only click on that, but also click on the prayer button because we'd love to pray with you. We'd love to send a team to encourage you and help you with your walk and journey with God. In a moment, we're going to listen to one final song about God with us, Emmanuel. And my prayer is that as we listen to the song, that we would realize and come to know that one God is not afraid of our mess, any mess that we might be in. And secondly, that there is no mess that God can't get us out of. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you for this Christmas story. Thank you for the hope that you give us. Thank you that you are the light of the world. Thank you that you're not afraid of any mess that we could find ourselves in, whether it's our own fault or the fault of others. God, that you can deliver us from all things, that your arm is not too short to save. I pray that we would know, Lord God, your intimate love today, that we would experience your presence in a greater measure, and that all of us would grow and the knowledge and love of you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks again for listening. To stay up to date, follow at Anthem Church Chicago and visit us, anthemforall.org. Anthem Church, all of Jesus for everyone.